Morning, church. I'm Curtis. It's been a while. All of you have, have reminded me of that. But I've not actually been gone. I've actually been here through the week, and, and uh, the last couple of weeks kind of been doing a little, uh, uh, some stuff from Georgetown to Plainview, Texas. And, and it's just a wonderful thing that we get to do here. We get to share the Word of God in different places with new faces. But I love you, Amarillo, Texas, and you know in my heart, my heart of hearts, that uh, we are blessed Five years ago, we were in a little building over on I-27. Today, we're in this nice, fancy place on South Bonham Street. Come on, church. Yeah, you've got to. Hey, do y'all remember the metal chairs? Oh, yeah, yeah. And y'all were after me about the pews, if you remember. That was a tough thing to move the pews. I didn't know people got attached to pews. I didn't realize that until they were gone, and then we wound up with some metal chairs, and y'all were like, hey. Man, come on. But today, isn't it neat to know that Marty McVeigh kind of influenced us, influenced us for this message series, Back to the Future, because if we think back, our short, our short history has brought us to where we are today. And that's a great thing. And here's the thing in your life today, that, that you have a history that has impacted who you are today, whether it be for the good or for the bad. That's the truth. Let me tell you, let me say it this way. Someone has probably attempted to label you at some point in time in your life. Someone has attempted to tell you who you are. The world will try to convince you that you're something less than what God intended for you. And if we're not careful, we'll buy into that lie. And if we buy into that lie, look, it will impact our future. Many of us would love to go back, right? If we could rewrite our, our past, we might have a better future. Many of you would like to reconnect the dots that possibly made you who you are today. And this is the neat thing about Christ, because in Christ we're a new creation, meaning that we gain a second innocence, meaning that we walk in freedom. Meaning that the only one that has the right to name us is God himself, the one who created us. So today, this is what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about what the culture or what possibly your parents or what possibly a bully in your school or what possibly someone else labeled you or named you that you still carry today. And you need to rid yourself of that. You need to shed yourself of that. You need to begin to walk in the one hope of your calling. And so today, we're going to talk about those things. Now, as we cover this series, just notice... Let me, let me make you aware of something. There are four stages of life that we're going to cover in this series. Today I'm going to be talking about early childhood, like your elementary school, your junior high, your high school, during that period of life for you, because it probably helped form who you are today, whether it be for the good or for the bad. Right? What did they call you in high school? I shared with early service this morning. I said, you know, it wasn't until my 15th year high school reunion a guy walks up to me, and this is what he says. He said, hey, Ty. And I said, hey, what's up, Merwin? You know, man, Ty hadn't seen you in 15 years. You know, he's high-fiving, and we're hugging and everything else. And, and I said, hey, I just got to, I, I know through my football life, you guys called me Ty. What does Ty stand for? I actually had to ask him this. He said, oh, dude, that's a tie stick. That's good. We got a holy congregation here. So you have no idea what a tie stick is. I didn't either. But he said, it made you crazy, Curtis. And look, I've never smoked 
pot in my life. I've never, I've never done drugs. I promise you that. And how I got that label is um, one day I just made a, a crazy hit on somebody and they started calling me Tastic, which meant crazy. He, just, he was just crazy sometimes, right? Not all the time, just sometimes. But someone probably called you something, tried to label you in your life at some point in time, and possibly you still carry that label today. Early childhood, we're going to be talking about young adult and the single life. We're going to be talking about midlife, the married life. And we're going to talk about being a senior today in time and leaving a legacy. But today, I'm just jumping in here. I'm going to talk to you about early childhood. I'm going to talk about the Wonder Years. When I was a kid, there was a show on. It's called The Wonder Years. I learned a lot. But you know what the boy was trying to do? He was trying to find his identity. He honestly was going through trying to figure out who he was and who, every else, who everyone else was and kind of how the puzzle fitted together and how he was a part of that puzzle. So I bet for most of us growing up, we were labeled as something. Look, maybe your label was Silly Sally. Maybe it was Big Ben. Maybe it was Fat Albert. Maybe it was Skinny Sam. Maybe it was Dumb Donnie. Maybe you are the boy named Sue. I feel for you, but you're probably the toughest man in here. Right? See, what about this one? I just added this last minute. I, I don't know if I should share this. Should I, Allison? <laughs> Allison's the one with the gift of discernment. Me, I just tend to go, right? The artist formerly known as Prince, right? He, he was labeled as something. He labeled himself as something. And by the way, an extremely talented musician. For me, it was possibly my name that I started out with. I mean, if you know my last name, my last name is House. So I've heard everything from brick, white, trailer, two-story, and of course, out. <laughs> I got a funny story, though. This morning after I preached this message, um, Darla Carthel comes up to me and she said, Listen, in Floyd Ada, my last name before I married was Asseter. I said, ooh, can I share that in the second service? She said, yeah. And she said, it gets worse. I married a man by the name of Jack. Look, some of you have been labeled from early on, right? It just happens that way. We're branded. We've been labeled. It can be for good. It can be for bad. But it happens early on in our wonder years. See, there's power in a name. There's power, whether it be good or bad, whether you're labeled or you're branded, there is power in the name that you've been given. And most importantly, I want you to hear something, that no one has the right to name you except for the one who created you. Now, you have parents that gave you something to be identified with. I mean, they couldn't just say, hey, brat, that's a label. So it's better to say, hey, Brett, just kidding. He's not even in here, darn it. <laughs> right? or Brad, or whoever it was, we had to have something. But really, the only one that has the right to name you and put a label on you is the one who created you. That's it. That's it. You know, you've probably been branded at some point in time in your life. You probably still wear part of that brand, if not all of that brand, in your life today. Some of you, I, I, I can't wait to listen to Jonathan's message on this because Jonathan really was crazy when he was younger. He has some of the funniest stories. So go online and listen to Jonathan's sermon this week because it will be hilarious. Mine's not quite as funny. I, 
I've been branded, and I'll talk to you about some of the brands that I carry, but here's my brand. This is a Rafter H brand. I have branded several head of cattle with this brand. And one man who still wears part of it today. Anyway, <laughs> right? We've all been branded and probably carry, carry some type of brand with us today. And if we connect the dots of, if we go back to the future, so to speak, and we go back, what we've carried into the future is possibly one of these brands that we have, whether it be for good or for bad. See, a brand signifies ownership, expectation, and hopefully production. And when you ride for the correct brand, look, you begin to carry the values of that brand. Whatever, whenever, look, it becomes your label whether it be for good or bad. And today what I'm hoping that you hear from me is that you possibly have been labeled by a world, by a culture, by something other than your creator, God himself. And because of that, it has impacted your future. And if we don't shed ourselves of it today, look, if we don't take advantage of what God offers to us today, folks, then we will not be impactful for his kingdom much less be impactful for future generations. There is a lot at stake today when you don't know who you are. A lot at stake. And if you're not careful, the world is trying to brand you as something other than what you were intended to be. Now, Paul Seifert showed us a video this past week in our meeting. It's hilarious. I just want you to know I have to show it here today. For good reason. This is about a soldier who was in the army who was labeled as a coward. It's a TV series, all right, back in the 50s or 60s. I don't know. Chuck Connor, branded. Oh, I got some hallelujahs going now, <laughs> right? And so he showed, us, he showed us this, and it's awesome because it talks exactly about being branded, being labeled as something you're not. So Chuck Connor, throughout the series, is trying to prove that he is not a coward. In every way, because the army has branded him as one. Let's watch the, the video.
There it was. Any of you see that series, by the way? Oh, yeah. Well, awesome. I'm so glad that we shared that and showed it with you this morning. Wherever you go, you have to prove that you're a man. Do you hear? That's, that's the last statement that's made on that. Wherever he went, he had to prove that he is a man. Unless he showed up at Target. Anyway. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to go after it. That's bogus. Anyway, I'm not going to go after it right now, but I will. Right? Here's the deal. Many of us carry a label today that neither your parents nor God put on you. You were labeled early in your wonder years. And now you have become something that you had never intended to be. You know, parents, you didn't purposely do this, but sometimes we as parents have put labels on our children that we didn't intend to happen. You'll never amount to anything. Your grades, you must be dumb. We're saying things out of emotion. But things have a tendency to stick. You're an embarrassment. You're short, you're fat, you're skinny, you're slow, you're weak, you're expensive. All those things can create a label if we're not careful. And listen, no one has the right to label you other than the one who created you. Maybe, maybe this, maybe you grew up under constant criticism. You branded yourself as unacceptable. Maybe that's why you're a wallflower today, hoping no one will take notice because if they do, they might label you as that or something much worse. Right? Maybe you made a D in math and you felt like math is just not my thing. I had someone tell me that yesterday. And I just said, why? Well, I just never made a good grade. Would you ever try to understand? Because you might be significant in math. We just don't know. You've got to put effort forth, right? Don't, don't carry that label because you made a bad grade. Look, church, I made several of them. Praise God, school's behind me, right? Jesus is in front of me. Yeah. So there are those of you who are just writing for their brand. You've never stopped to ask yourselves why. Some of you are out there just drinking, doping, and roping every filly that's coming your way. And you're trying to brand them. You're trying to mark them as your territory. You see women possibly as property. You see children possibly as property. Now some of you women... I mean, I think sometimes you carry a label that was given to you years and years ago, an image that is, that is not an image of your Creator, but it's an image of the world and what they told you you were. Some of us resemble more like the, the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus goes out and there's a Samaritan woman, and you remember the story. She says, how do you know me? And He said, well, let me just tell you who you are. You've had five husbands, and the one that you now live with is not your husband. Can you imagine the shame that she felt? The shame that she had carried from relationship to relationship? Can you imagine what the population, the city folks, said about that woman? Can you imagine the reputation that she carried? It was sad. It was poor. And here's Jesus, and the first that he reveals his Messiahship to, watch this is that woman at the well. He's saying, I hold you in a valuable way. The first ones to discover that Jesus was resurrected from the grave were women. Jesus implies, I mean, He is showing that I love you. And I want to be the image before you. Don't let man set and tell you who you are. Let me. Let me. See, we get branded going through life. Early on in elementary and junior high and high school, it's all about us trying to earn a name, trying to keep a name, or trying to lose a name. 
And if we allow someone to brand us with a name, we are allowing those people along with their opinions to control our lives. Possibly, watch this, even our destinies can be at stake, can be at risk. We have to be careful, right? Look, if you feel like you always have to prove something, if you feel like you always have to start something to prove something, you're probably trying to relabel who you are, trying to rename who you are. And the only way to do that is to keep Christ before you, the one who created you, who truly knows you, who truly wants to give you a lane to run in, a lane to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future, to give you a hope and a peace. That's Jesus. Here we go. See, I'm, I'm going to share a truth with you today. You are not who people say you are. You are who God says you are. No one has had the right to label you. I was thinking, uh, uh, one of the men who, who really spoke to me one time, it was just a crazy conversation that I had, and we'll get into the scriptures here in just a moment. Just trying to lay a foundation. This is the opening message of a series. So stay with me if you're visiting today. I promise you, I love the Word of God. But with me, early on, when I was in the seventh grade, my whole life, I just loved my brother. And he was a football player. He was a Tulia Hornet. And he was strong. And he was muscular. And he played outside linebacker. And he would lay a hit and a helmet on someone. And that's all I wanted to do. So I could not wait for seventh grade to get here. And I, I, I went out for football as a seventh grader. There's like 50 boys out there trying to play football. And I made the fourth team. I mean, they had like the gold team, the silver team, and then the colors just went off from there, and I was some other color. I'd been labeled, and, and I was a little bitty, and I wasn't strong enough. And, and I remember Coach Kleckler, he just came up to me one day, and he said, Hey, Curtis, um, look, I love your effort. <laughs> you put out some good effort. He said, But I want you to know this. You're still a leader. And that stayed with me. There was an imprint that was made on my life from a coach who didn't even probably realize that he said it. You still have purpose. You still have gained that vision. One day, hopefully, you'll be what you want to be. But the most important thing is that we become what God intended us to be. Ephesians 3, 14 and 15. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Our names our derivative from Christ. He gives us our names. See, your name comes from God. It has its origins in God. Its destiny is wrapped up in God. Eventually, listen to me, church. When we're young in Christ, the story's all about us and what Christ has done for us. But as we grow in Christ, as we are discipled in Christ, this is a beautiful thing that happens. Our life comes into His strand. Our 23, if you will, join His 23. And it makes this beautiful strand until eventually, here's what happens. Our life is just a part of Christ's story. It's no longer our story. And we carry His name. And that's what becomes important to us. You know, I love the fact that of all the other gifts that you are to seek out, the highest gift is prophecy. You know what prophecy does? It edifies. It builds up. It gives a name. It plants a seed. It's there for others to come along and water. It's to mature Christians. If you have the gift of prophecy, use that gift because it builds up. It helps equip. It plants a seed. It renames as God would name. 
begins to tell his story through each and every one of us. Spiritual fathers and mothers, look, they are important in our lives. Very important to speak to us, to help us to grow up, to assist us in discovering what God put in. The 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. You have been bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Jesus says this, the abundant life is found in Him. Here's why. Because Christ is looking for us to walk in Him, to understand who we are, to have Him label us, for us to not only to be transformed ourselves, but to walk and help others be transformed and learn their names. It's so important that we know who we are. He alone has the right to identify you, to brand you. There is power in a name. I will tell you one of my greatest weaknesses, one of the things that I have to do that I don't like to do, is listen to me preach. Probably you too, right? You're like, man, you got that right. What time are we done, right? And, and there's a reason, because I was labeled when I was in the Army as Tex. I have this accent. I mean, my goodness, I sound like a hillbilly from Bago. That's who I am, though. I mean, it's, it's where I was raised, and so I don't have an intellectual talk about me. The intellectuals come to this church, and I look for them to come back the next week, and I'm like, oh, man, they're not here. Is it me? It really checks me. And when I listen to myself preach online, I go, man, that's still with me. Now, it's not as bad as a buddy of mine that I had in the military as well who was from Oklahoma, <laughs> right? I don't have red dirt on me. Anyway, but we carry these things. We have these tendencies that we carry throughout life, and if we're not careful, they'll label us to a point where it wants to shut us up for Jesus' kingdom. One of the things we must learn is how to put off and put on. There's a story in Scripture, Jesus, who, um, as he's walking, there's a man that's crying out to him, blind Bartimaeus, and he's saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And you remember the disciples go over to him and they say, Hey, Bartimaeus, hush, you are a beggar. Stay right here, leave him alone. He's famous, right? And so the disciples are actually trying to protect Jesus from this blind beggar. But he continues to cry out all the more is what the Scripture says. And finally, Jesus says, bring him to me. And he says, what is it that you want? And he said, I want that, I wish that I could, I want that I could see. And Jesus, Jesus touches his eyes, and he heals the blind man. But what's more important to me in the story is what Barnabas does. It says that he dropped his cloak, and he followed Christ. Meaning that he was no longer going to be identified as a beggar in what the world told him he was. But he was going to walk in who Christ said he was. He was going to walk in the new name that Christ gave him. He wasn't going to no longer be a slave to the world and a slave to everyone else, but now he was going to find himself focusing on Christ and Christ alone. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? So the Holy Spirit is looking to well up in each one of us and continue to convince us who we are in Christ. You've been 
bought with a price. Glorify God in your body. The Father, Jesus, purchased the right with His own blood. And through your faith in Him, you have become a dwelling place for His Spirit. And His Spirit continues to well up in us. It continues to remind me, hey, you are not who you say you are, Curtis. When you forget your kid, or when you forget your keys, maybe your kids. <laughs> maybe I need to stick a little closer to my notes. But when you, when you forget your keys, all right, don't call yourself an idiot. I told the early service this morning, I said, you know, it's amazing to me. The night, some of you tonight, because you go to work tomorrow, this is what you'll do. You'll set out the clothes you're going to wear, your shoes, your socks, your underwear. You'll have it ready to go. You'll even have your, your little folder with all the stuff in it. You'll make your notes for the next day. You're going to hit your Monday and you're going to hit it hard. And you'll get everything on Monday morning, tomorrow morning. You'll run out to your car and then you'll go, I don't know where my keys are. Who locked this car? Right? And you'll run around there, and you'll, you'll cry out to your wife, Babe, where are my keys? What did you do with my keys? Not that I do this. <laughs> right? But then we start internally speaking to ourselves. I'm such an idiot. I don't like that word. We're not allowed to use that word in our house. But just to make a point, I will tell myself this. Right? And we'll label ourselves as something that's not true. You might just be forgetful, right? It just happens sometimes. So we must learn to put off and begin to put on Christ and begin to hear his voice and know what his voice is saying to each and every one of us. Know that there is life in Christ and he fulfills all of our longings, all of our needs, all of our passions when our passions are for him alone. A while back there was a book. It was a real popular book. It's called The Prayer of Jabez. Remember that? based on two verses. This amazes me. Now watch. Jabez's mother named, branded him at birth with this name Jabez, which means sorrow, grieving, pain, and suffering. Boy, there's one to name your child. Right? No telling how many kids were given the name Jabez because they read the story of prosperity through that. But here's what Jabez did. I'm not going to put up with that. I'm not going to be sorrow. I'm not going to be grieving. I'm not going to be pain. I'm not going to be suffering. That is not who I am. As a matter of fact, I'm a child of the living God, and He's going to give me a name above all other names that only He can give. Now, not Jesus, of course, but in Christ. And as He's in Christ, He's paying attention to the gifts that God has given Him. And He manages to overcome that label and become incredibly productive with His life. He did the opposite of his label. 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Here a while back, I talked about this Scripture just for a moment. Because I said, when I focus on this Scripture, I like to think of myself walking into the bathroom in the morning, looking in that big mirror, right? And going, mm -hmm. And there's days I do that and I go, man, I like that guy. Dude, God's going to do something with that man right there today. And then there's days I walk in there and I go, oh, man, what is he doing? Golly, Lord, you could have done better than this. Look at my skin. I mean, my goodness, right? Yesterday, I mean, I'm like packing on the sunscreen on all my kids at a tennis tournament. It's like they called me the sunscreen Nazi. 
And I'm like, when you get my age and you go to the doctor, he's like, man, we've got to get that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. I'm like, just, just get my check for the next five years, right? Because that's what it takes to clean this up, right? But here's what I love about the Scripture, because what he's saying is, look, when you look in the mirror, watch this, with unveiled face, but we all, meaning all of us, as the body of Christ, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, means that when we go to a mirror and we look in it, Oh, I love this. We are beholding the glory of the Lord. In other words, a mirror reflects back the image that's in it. And God is saying, I love you. You are my child. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. You are incredible. See, we're going to be transformed by doing that very thing, by looking into Christ. Hebrews says it this way, that we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. See, as we do that, here's what happens. That word transformed comes from the Greek metamorphu. Metamorphu means to be developed into, that, that, that it's constantly working. It's a, it's a process. It's a metamorphosis. It's that. Right? And, and that's what it means. It's like a caterpillar to a butterfly. There's a transformation that's going to happen and you're going to be labeled and you're going to know who you are and whose you are. And you're going to be invited home in the body of Christ. See, our names, our identity, our purpose that are derived from Jesus set us on our walk with Him. We begin to live it out. We find and prove out God's destiny for our lives. And God has a destiny for you, and you'll love it. It will fit like a glove. A name from God is attached to it. It's fulfillment. Ephesians 1.20, God brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly faces, places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named. Love to go here and talk about a preacher called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, called to set people on fire for Jesus Christ, a preacher that, that has been spoken about for years upon years, centuries upon centuries, but listen to me, church, he only preached one sermon. You'll find him in Acts chapter 7. He's a man by the name of Stephen, and Stephen is given the gift of preaching and of teaching, and he steps out to preach one time, and at the end of that message, the people stoned him to death. And as the rocks pelted his skin, and as he looked up into the heavenlies, he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God the Father. And Jesus may have called him even, or he may have had another name, but I will tell you this, he said, that one is mine. Welcome home. Good and faithful steward. Servant. Called to preach one time, but in that one time found fulfillment in his life. Names are important to God, church. God told Mary to name her son Jesus. Jesus means salvation. This, this amazes me. God renamed Abram, which means exalted father, to Abraham, which means father of many nations. Look, we don't sing, Father Abram was a mighty father. No, we sing, Father Abraham had many sons. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. Sit down, stand up, spin around, do something. Come on, church. Y'all get me preaching up in this place. Now, 
Here we go. God renamed Simon to Peter. Simon means reed. Peter means rock. I shared this this morning. You know, when, when, when I was with Pete, and Allison said, hey, Curtis, you might just want to say something about you lived with Pete and his mother. It's not like that. If you thought that, don't name me, don't label me. All right? No, no. Pete invited me in. His mother rented me a room when I got out of the military. And, and, and I love this because one time we took all the youth and we played capture the flag at a lake. And I was going to be stealth. I was military. And there was a reed. There were these reeds on the edge of the pond. And so what I did is I swam from one side all the way over there and got up in those reeds. And I was going to do like Rambo. And I cut one of those reeds and I put it in my mouth and I laid on my back in the water. And I heard kids run by and everything. Let me tell you something. I probably drank about three gallons of water. <laughs> I almost drowned that day. No one knows it. I, I came up out of the water and was like, <clears throat> and they're like, there he is. <laughs> it didn't work because reeds are limber. Reeds break over with the wind. Water pushes reeds over back and forth. Look, Simon was renamed to Peter by Jesus. See, Jesus had a name. Peter means rock. You're not a reed that's going to do this. You are a rock. This is who you are, Peter. And you are going to be given the keys to the kingdom. Wow. God renamed Jacob, which means hill-grabbing thief, to Israel, which means prince of God. In each case, he established their true identity. Church, he wants to establish your identity in him today. It's time to throw the cloak off. It's time to wake up. It's time to behold. It's time to know that this is what God has named me. It's time to hear his voice. It's time to step out. It's time to make a difference and know that fulfillment comes when you hear the voice of God and his name is written on your heart and you begin to walk as he called you to walk. Hear my voice, children. Hear what I call you, my child. For you are, you are my most beloved. You are my child. You are my friend. You are my workmanship. You are my treasured possession. You are my daughter. You are my son. You are my heir. You are holy. You are blameless. You are the apple of my eye. You are blessed. You are redeemed. Can you focus on that? Because every one of those I pulled out of Scripture. And that's how God wants to label us today. Today can be your chance to be set free. I'm going to ask you to stand. Look, here's the deal. Many of you are living out a label that you were labeled with years ago. And you can be like Bartimaeus. And you can shed that cloak today. And you can allow somebody, one of these prayer teams up here, to plant a seed in you to help set you free from what the world has labeled you, to help move you forward in your walk in Christ Jesus, to, to water a seed possibly that maybe you had a pastor, Buddy Young, in my life, still is at West Texas A&M. Some of you college students out there know who I'm talking about. Coming back from Beechreach one, one year, said, Curtis, listen, I know you, you, you plan on going back in the military when you graduate, but I'm going to tell you something. God has a bigger plan for your life. He wants you to preach the gospel. And you better listen to it. You better wake up. I've never forgotten it. I went home and cried and said, Lord, I can't preach. 
listen to me. Moses said the same thing. Great things God wants to do with each one of you because you are his child. You are his most beloved. And if you don't feel that today, I want to encourage you to come forward. Let someone pray with you. Let someone love you. Let someone stand in the gap because he doesn't call us alone. He calls us together. He loves us. God is love. Anything less is not God. Pay attention to that. So if you need prayer today, come. Otherwise, go and hear his voice and carry the label that only God can give.